Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. And you can be born again, spirit-filled, but if you don't know and believe that, you can end up with having absolutely nothing and no victory. So that's why it's so important for us to examine and study exactly what it is he tries to do so that we don't fall prey to it and we are always on the other end of it, where we are constantly on top. You know, the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. You know, all of that. All of that applies to us. So what I want you to do is turn to Genesis, the third chapter, and we're going to look at verse 1. This is exactly where we left off the last time that we were together. Because once we know what the enemy's about, and we know how he's going to attack, and we know how he will attack, it helps us tremendously. The examples that we're going to check out are going to reveal without question that the things the devil uses against us are simply thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. <laughs> Again, that's just the way that, that he is. That's all that he's got. So when we look at Genesis, I want you to understand that we're going to find a precedent-setting event. And this goes all the way back to the garden. So a lot of us have fun when we think about what happened there, but it really was a precedent that was being set there. Generally speaking, a precedent is a record of an act that serves as a guide for future acts of a similar kind. So... That being said, what happened in the Garden of Eden set the precedent for what could happen to go on forever and ever and ever. And that's exactly what happened. So that's why we're going to go back to that. We're going to examine that because that's going to help us understand better exactly what the enemy did so that we can see what he's doing in our lives so we can be on the other side of it. So looking at Genesis 3, we're just going to look at the first verse right now. And if we look at it in the New King James Version, because everybody's there at this point, correct? Okay, so if we look at it, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? If we look at this in the Amplified, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the message just puts it simply, the serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God has made. He spoke to the woman, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, the interesting part about this, to me, when you really start to break it down, is that the relationship between Satan and the serpent is not made crystal clear. Meaning, we go with that, but it's not made crystal clear. But Satan is identified with the serpent if we turn to Revelation. See, that's what's so good about study. Because you need to really, in all of our getting, do what? Get understanding. And you need to be able to tie everything in so that you know for sure that, okay, this is the serpent, this is Satan. So turn with me to Revelation 12. 
because we're going to look at this. We're going to look at the ninth verse right away because it seems difficult to believe that Eve would have been suspicious of a talking creature. But at this point in time, Eve probably knew next to nothing about animals, really, when you think about it. And in any case, the serpent, as it existed before the curse, was a very different creature from the reptile that is familiar with us today. Now, I'm also going to share something with you about Revelation. How many people think that the book of Revelation is kind of... Yeah, you know, it's just not easy reading that you can just simply follow. Would anybody agree that it's that way? Okay, because if not, I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Well, the thing about this book, just, just these, I, another little thing you can jot down in your notes. The book of Revelation is a prophecy of the end times and God's ultimate triumph over the forces of evil. It is the only book of... A, I can't believe I have this written. I know what it says, and now I'm having a hard time saying it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you can come do this. Apocalyptic. I'm seeing it. I wrote it. It's my word. Okay, okay. It's the only book of apocalyptic literature, thank you, in the New Testament. Now, this was a distinctive type of writing in biblical times that used symbols and numbers to depict the end of the present age and the coming of God's future kingdom. That's why when we're reading it, it's like, uh, you know, it just seems a little uneasy in a way. It is a, it's similar to the apocalyptic writings in several books of the Old Testament that we know of. Like we know about Daniel, because if you look at you know, chapters 7 through 12, that's definitely that way. Ezekiel, and those are chapters 37 through 41. I'm just giving you this if you're writing notes. If not, whatever. And uh, Zechariah, and those are chapters 9 through 12. Revelation, however, was written solely by John. And he was one of the 12 disciples, of course, that walked with Jesus. But he wrote it while he was imprisoned by the Romans. And it was a certain emperor that was in uh, rule at that time. And his name was Domitian, not like you really care. But there was an intense persecution of the Christian movement at the time that he's writing it. And it is believed by many intelligent scholars that John used symbolism in his writing to hide the meaning of his message from the Roman emperor enemies of the Christian, Romans that were enemies of the Christian church because he already was having enough challenge. But he wanted this to get out to us, but he did it. It was almost like he was writing in code, for lack of a better term. So the book came to John under divine inspiration through a series of visions. And his writing affirmed, and this is the best part, that Jesus would be victorious over the forces of Satan and reign forever as king of kings. So to me, when you understand a little bit about Revelation, it helps to like get through it and be able to break some of it down. So now that you're in Revelation, at the 12th chapter, I want you to look at verse 9. Because this is how we're going to be able to confirm that what Eve was dealing with in the garden was in fact Satan. So if we looked at verse 9, it says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. If we look at it in the easy-to-read version, it says, 
It was thrown down out of heaven. This giant dragon is that old snake, the one called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world into the wrong way. The dragon and its angels were thrown to the earth. And then the Living Bible says this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down onto the earth with all his army. So this is letting us know very clearly that that serpent of old back in the Garden of Eden was what? It was Satan. It was the devil. Now you're in Revelation, so turn real quickly to the 20th chapter, and we're just going to look at the second verse. Revelation 20 verse 2. And it says in the New King James Version, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. The easy to read, the angel grabbed the dragon, that old snake, also known as the devil or Satan. The angel tied the dragon with the chain for a thousand years. And lastly, the living Bible says he seized the dragon, that old serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. So it's very, very clear that who uh, Eve was dealing with was clearly, clearly the devil. No question about that. So, No, Eve was dealing with the serpent, and the serpent was Satan. I don't think so. If I did, then I then you no. What I'm saying is that the serpent was definitely the devil, and he's also known as the devil. He's also known as Satan. He's also known as the evil one. We just established that that's exactly who she was dealing with when she was in the Garden of Eden. That's what I wanted to get across. So everybody's clear on that one? Yes. Okay, great. So the Bible says that Jesus is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. But here is the thing. So is the devil. He's also the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can never forget that. So think about it. Why should he waste any time trying to come up with a new way or a novel approach when it comes to mankind? It's not necessary for him to do it. He's already come up with one that set a precedent. So, and it worked well. So why should he change it? I mean, he used it the first time like a charm and it worked. So why not? And the person he worked the game on, now this is important, was a person who stood head and shoulders above us in terms of intellect. Now, I know that's hard for us to take sometimes because we just know we're smart. You know, we are very, you know, I mean, we're like geniuses when you think about it. So we think, you know, I mean, we are, but not really. <laughs> because, put, just think about this. Adam and Eve, Adam named every single animal that there is. He named every insect. He gave them names. And here's the thing. The names that he gave are still in effect now and will remain that way until the end of time. He had the ability and the brain to be able to do that. And Eve was part of him, so we can't think all of a sudden she was somebody who was just not smart, okay? But if they could get, or if she, which hmm, we're going to deal with her in a minute, but if she could be deceived with the wonderful brain that she had, what does that say for all of us? You don't think that we might have to really pay attention and be very discerning? Now here's another thing to think about. Think about their hearts. 
they didn't have the same kind of things. They didn't have to deal with what we deal with on a daily basis. They didn't have anybody talking about them. They didn't have anybody feeding them any kind of negative. All the, all, the only person they talked to was the Most High God and themselves, which means what kind of heart do you think Eve had? She had a pure heart. She had a heart like how when we see a baby that's born, you know, within seconds, do you think that baby's evil? No. The baby has a pure little heart. What could it have done? It just got here. Well, Eve was that type of a person. I mean, so these were people that had fantastic brains, something we can't even imagine, hearts that were pure, and yet and still, with all of that, they still got tripped up. So that means we really, really have to start, or at least that's how I take it, and I think you would agree, we really better start paying attention, okay? And instead of him taking us out, we want to get to a point where he remains and stays beneath our feet. So, with that, let's look at your end, go, well, Genesis 3, you're there. We're going to end up looking at verses 2 and 3. But before we do that, look carefully, because this is what I really want us to start looking at. Look at how the devil approached Eve. The approach is just as important as everything else. The attack, be it began with little fanfare. Okay, it was no big deal. And this is something that I think is very interesting. When you become a seasoned believer, the attacks that the enemy comes at you with are more subtle sometimes. Meaning because you're seasoned, so therefore you're kind of paying attention a little bit more than a babe who's not paying attention at all. So he has to be more subtle because he knows you're paying attention, but he also knows he still has to get that thought, idea, and suggestion into your head. So he's got to be really crafty with how he does it. Now this I will tell you. Anytime he is attacking you, because again, people have asked, and it's a good question, because sometimes people have a challenge with discerning whether or not it is the enemy, whether they really thought this up on their own, or whether it is God. Now, obviously, if you get a thought to take your whole entire income tax return and give it to the church, I can just about tell you that's not the enemy, okay? It really may not be you either, okay? Right? Okay? That's usually God trying to get something to you. And notice what I said. It's usually him trying to get something to you. And the only way he can do that is if you trust him. So it's an act of saying, okay, Lord, I trust you. I am giving you all of this. Okay? Believing that whatever, he, whatever plan he has for you is going to be to your advantage. That's the only reason he'd ask you to do that. But the point is sometimes people are still sitting and they're like, well, I don't really know. You know, I'm really not sure. One thing I will say is if you're in the midst of him giving you any kind, if you're in the midst of him attacking you and, and you're just not sure where it's coming from, know it's going to come with him feeding you constant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. He's not going to just do something and leave you alone. Even if you get a pain that comes into your body, all of a sudden you're attacked with a pain, it's not going to just be a pain and that's it. 
if it's from him. He's going to be feeding you with, oh yeah, you know you're not going to be able to go up those subway steps today. You know you're not going to be able to get to work on time. You better call in. You, he's constantly giving you something. That's when it helps to identify, okay, great. Because you know that's not coming from God. God is not going to tell you that you cannot do it because God already knows that he's already provided for you to be healed. So you know that's not coming from him. You know that it's not coming from you in the sense that the thought you're dealing with the pain. So if you're dealing with the pain and your concentration is on the pain, you're not going to keep feeding yourself all of these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions because you're really just trying to deal with the pain. That's straight up letting you know that is from the enemy. That's something to really, that, that helps you be able to fine tune that that's where it's coming from. And that will be with anything. It will be accompanied by him feeding you constant thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. So, with Eve... Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions were planted in her mind, and I love this. They were carried to her mind by the vehicle of what? Words. Again, which is why it's so precious how the Holy Spirit is doing this. On one hand, he's teaching us about the mind, the arena of faith, and on the other hand, he's teaching us how to watch our mouth. That is, That cannot be more Holy Spirit designed and divinely inspired than that. Because the whole point of the matter is, our words are just that, a vehicle. And they take and can make so many things happen when we open our mouths and speak them. So in this particular instance, the thoughts and the ideas and suggestions were given to Eve and unfortunately she just went ahead and, and kind of went right along with them. Now think about some of the situations that you found yourself caught up in. Really stop and think about it for a minute. And if you'll remember, you may have thought, something said to me, thus and so. Or somebody told me so and so. Notice that when the thought came it sounded how? Just like you. It was not a strange voice because you would have been quick to question it. You would have thought that's not me. The thoughts, ideas and suggestions come and they sound just like you. And that's what's so tricky about Satan. You think, I must take responsibilities for these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. But it was really him that planted them. He's very clever. It's almost like he's a, a ventriloquist. You know, those people that hold the little dummies and they act like they're talking. and they're. He's almost like that in a way when you think about it. Because he can go ahead and make his suggestions in your language and tone and you'll think that it's actually you. You will think it's you that came up with this. You'll say, well, something told me it wasn't something, it was someone, it was the enemy. But you've got to be able to understand that and see that so you can see what he's doing with you. So Eve's reply contains no evidence at all that she was aware of any danger when the enemy was approaching her. And again, the presence of fear is nowhere to be found. And we can see that you're in Genesis 3. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. We'll see exactly how she replied to the enemy. And she said, in verse 2, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, remember what I said about her having a heart 
that was pure. So she didn't have anybody talking to her, telling her, well, you know, so and so and so. So she's looking at this almost like a wide-eyed child, really with the purest of hearts. Okay? So, you know, this is, she's saying, we, she said, God has said, now think about it, God said this to you. But, you know, she's, okay, God said it, mommy said it, daddy said it, the pastor said it, the teacher said it. Okay? You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. If we look at it in the Living Bible, it says, of course, we may eat it, she said, the woman told him. It's the only, it's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we are not to eat. God says we mustn't eat it or even touch it, okay, or we will die. The message says, the woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it, don't even touch it, or you'll die. In the face of hearing from God, the Most High God, she said, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch of it. But here's the thing. God never said anything about touch. He never said anything about touch. So where does she get that from? This is when you want to, you know, sit up there and slap Eve. <laughs> Like, I mean, really? So you're just going to all of a sudden, I mean, there's a lot. You can do a whole study just on that right there because it makes you wonder sometimes, why is it that your sisters in Christ can take one little thing and go on and on and on and build what some people call a mountain out of a molehill with something that was not even a fact. They just kind of created it. I mean, that's just really, really, okay? Eve was really, she, I don't know, she was just having a moment. <laughs> she knew, however, though, that she would die. But the thoughts, the ideas, and suggestions were just a little too powerful for her. The battle raged in her mind. Think about it. Think about when the enemy is coming to you with things, okay? Think about you. When he's coming to you with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, you know, like, um, I really, really know that I'm dating this guy, and we're going out, and he took me to my favorite restaurant, and we're sitting there, and the lights are low, and candles are on the table, and... I smell the roses, you know, and the scent's just wafting over to me. And we're just sitting there, and we've already had the most sumptuous dinner, you know. And he's just sitting there looking at me, and oh my goodness, he's got the most gorgeous eyes. You know, and you're sitting here, and you're talking, you, you think it's just, you know, you got everything under control. And you're just sitting here, and then he brings you your favorite chocolate dessert. Because, of course, in my, in my explanation, it's got to be chocolate, okay? So it's a really wonderful chocolate dessert with whipped cream. And you've heard things that could be done with whipped cream, but you are not trying to think about any of this. And then, all of a sudden, he's making some comments. And you're wondering now, are the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, where are these coming from? Is this something that I should even be thinking about? Now, you should just get up and run, but you're thinking, I can really handle this. I've got this under control. And then he gets up and pulls out your chair because you're getting ready to leave because you've just finished your dessert. And oh my gosh, does he smell so good? All of 
these things. And it's like the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions are flooding in your head. I mean, constantly, you are thinking of everything. And you are going all the way beyond thinking about things that should only be thought about on the honeymoon, and you do not even have any kind of ring. And that's what gets a lot of people into trouble. So we got to go back and learn from our dear little friend Eve, <laughs> okay? Because here she was, she didn't even have all that going on. She was just in a garden, okay, with a bunch of trees and animals and a tree in the middle that she knew she wasn't supposed to do anything with. She didn't even have all that seduction. And this wonderful little serpent comes up and starts asking her questions and she falls for it just like that girl in the scenario I gave you fell for it. And trust me, men, you have scenarios too. It's just I'm a girl, so I can only speak to what I know. So anyway, but the point is, the possibility of her eyes being open, becoming as God, and knowing both good and evil were very attractive to Eve. And she never considered such options before, but the thoughts, the ideas, and suggestions, which did not come from God, entered her mind. God told her straight out what to do, what not to do, and the consequences associated with any decision that she might make. But here come those extraneous thoughts, ideas, and suggestions in her mind. Remember, we're trying to find out three things. Number one, can we be certain that the enemy shoots at us, we want to make sure what he's shooting at us, are they thoughts, ideas, and suggestions? That's the first thing. The second thing is, can we be certain that where our enemy attacks us, in fact, is in our minds? Meaning, you know, we're saying this, but I want you to think about it for you. You need to see this. You have to be authentic with yourself, okay? It's not just because, okay, the book is entitled this, and this is the series, and this is cute. No, that's not why you're here. You're obviously here because you're digging a little bit deeper. So the point is you have to ask yourself that question. And then you also want to know, can you be certain that the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions are the fiery darts that Paul spoke about when we talked about what he said in his letter to the Ephesians? Now, here is our evidence. If we look at Genesis 3, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 6, it's clear that the devil is shooting these thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. It's really, really clear as he used them in his attack on Eve. So let's look at that. So if we look at Genesis 3, 1 through 6, and we look at it in the King James Version, uh, you'll see some Bibles will even put as a heading the temptation and fall of man. It says, so that's kind of giving you a clue if you weren't sure. <laughs> and it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, which we already know is in the center of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, let me pause there. She saw that it was good for food. That's an excuse to say, I'm going to go with this thought and idea and suggestion. Like, 
okay, back in the scenario I gave you, when he pulled out the chair, oh, he smells so good. And you know, it's been a long time since somebody's really given me a good hug. And oh, it would just be so nice to just rest in his arm. All those things are really excuses, okay? The food was good, but you're going to die. I mean, what kind of sense does that make? Anyway, okay, so when the saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now we can beat up on Eve, but that right there lets me know that Adam was one of the I don't know what you want to call it, because he wasn't dumb. He named everything. He just truly was not thinking at that moment. That's all that I can say. I'll just be nice and leave it at that. So um, when you get the chance, read this out of, <sighs> when you get the chance, read this translation out of the Living Bible. No, I'm going to read it. The serpent was the craftiest of all the creatures the Lord God had made. So the serpent came to the woman. Really, he asked? None of the fruit in the garden? God says you mustn't eat any of it? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the center of the garden that we're not to eat. God says we mustn't eat it or even touch it or we will die. That's a lie, the serpent hissed. You'll not die. God knows very well that the instant you eat it, you will become like him. For your eyes will be opened. You will be able to distinguish good from evil. The woman was convinced. It really took her a lot, huh, to be convinced. How lovely and fresh looking it was. And it would make her so wise. The fruit she's talking about, this is going to do. So she ate some of the fruit and gave some to her husband. And he ate it too. The message says the serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do I, do, you understand, do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate. In other words, <laughs> if you're also back to my scenario. <laughs> I don't know where this scenario came from, but it seems good to me, okay? And this wonderful guy who smells so good is telling you, you're not going to get AIDS or some other venereal disease if, uh, you know, you go on and have sex with me. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're cute, all is well. After all, Everybody's doing that now. This is 2018. You don't have to be married first. Besides, we need to make sure that if this relationship is going to go forward, that it's going to be good. You know, for both of us, we need to kick the tires, try it out. You know, that kind of same foolishness. This is the same old game all the way back. But see, that's the precedent that was set all the way back in the garden. But people are still doing that in 2018. I know you think this is comical, but I guarantee you there's somebody in a restaurant tonight right now that this is happening to. Okay? Then you will hear people, I promise you, then you will hear people say things like, 
you know, they go to Vegas. I love this. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Really? I mean, come on, okay? And then you bring back a little bundle and nine months later, you remember Vegas, okay? I mean, you know, all of this though, from thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. But with Eve, this was some kind of woman. God had already told her that she was going to die. And this animal, an animal, I mean, think about it. Animal, the most high God. Which one are you going to listen to? But she went ahead and listened to the animal. Told her that she was not going to die, and she happened to believe him. Oh, gosh. It's clear, very clear, that Satan just used thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and that they're extremely powerful. What's so good about knowing good and evil? There's nothing good about evil. I don't need to know about evil, nor do I want to know about it. That's the source of every single challenge that we have. We don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about evil. But she listened to him. This event clearly reveals how and where he will attack us. It also reveals that his attack will be accompanied by a degree of calmness and will not indicate a sense of anger because his arsenal doesn't need to have that because all his arsenal is is what? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Turn with me to Genesis, the second chapter. And we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. Because I really want to pay a little attention to this man called Adam. Because he's special too. <laughs> so if we look at Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, it says in the New King James Version, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, now he made that, gave that commandment. What is, does, is Eve in there? No, he, it says that he gave it to the man. Okay, so if we look at it in the Living Bible, it says, But the Lord God gave the man this warning. You may eat any fruit in the garden except fruit from the tree of conscience. For its fruit will open your eyes to make you aware of right and wrong, good and bad. If you eat its fruit, you will be doomed to die. And then the message says, God commanded the man, you can eat from any tree in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. The moment you eat from that tree, you're dead. Now, to me, it seems as if Eve must have been in earshot of this or standing right next to him because if not then she would not have known that if they ate the fruit from this tree that they would die would you agree with that okay but the point is God did not and see this is another you could do a whole other teaching on this notice he gave the commandment to the man he did not give the commandment to Eve which is why it's wonderful to be a girl. See, this is, this is a whole nother teaching because so often women get all upset that men are the head and we're the second, you know, in command. But I mean, think about it. That's how God initiated it, even back in the garden. He gave the commandment to the man. But women, here's the little part that sometimes women miss. Eve still had the ability 
to turn his head and make him go ahead and eat it too. Which means there's power in being a female. Okay, but like I said, that's a whole nother study. But the point is, the point is, he, the commandment was given to him as the head. So ladies, don't feel bad about being, in, you know, in second place or whatever. Let the man be the head of the house, the priest of the home. That's where he's supposed to be. And that's how it was all the way then. Yes. Mm-hmm. They said women the neck. Well, there you go. Exactly. Well, we do. Well, you know, <laughs> we do. Well, I mean, we, we have the ability to be able to do that. But see, in a lot of ways, I don't understand why people have a problem with that. Because he gave the commandment to the man. So if anything, if the man messes up, he messed up. We didn't. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, it's a different way. It depends on how you look at it. Like I said, that could be a whole teaching that we should do on that. But... That's another time. But yes, there, there definitely, <laughs> there are all kinds of ways to think about it. So, they will sound as if, meaning the things that the enemy gives us, his thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, they're going to sound as if they're leading us into a better life with more possibilities. Okay, that's another little trick he has. I'll give you an example of that. Say you are looking for a job. All right. One job pays more than the other. Like say you're looking for a job and somebody offers you a job and say you really were just going to be kind of pleased if you got a job where you were making $25 an hour. I mean, you know, I understand at this point living in Manhattan about no money is enough. You know, you probably need $100 now just to make it. But for my scenario, you're looking for a job that's going to, you know, pay $25 an hour. That, that'll be okay for you. And then somebody comes along the pike and goes, oh no, you're worth so much more than that. I'm going to give you a job and I'm going to pay you $60 an hour. And you can start right away. Now, the job that was going to pay you $25 an hour, it was with a reputable company who had been around for maybe, say, I don't know, 85, 90 years in business right here in Manhattan that you saw all the time. And this other little company, well, it was a company that was only around for a couple of years. But hey, you set up and you started thinking about that. And it's like, yeah, I am worth $60 an hour. Why should I take $20, $25 an hour? What was I thinking? Yes, I'm worth $60 an hour. And then, of course, the enemy's constantly feeding you. Yeah, tell those people, they don't even, anybody who's even entertaining hiring you for $25, just cast them to the side. You take this job for $60. And you believe it because the enemy is making you think this is going to be better and then you start dreaming about what you're going to do with the $60 an hour job because $60 an hour, 40 hours a week, that's $2,400 that you're going to have in your pocket and then they're going to pay you on a 1099 which means they're not going to take taxes out so you're really dreaming big time. You and you know, you're going to take your family, you're going on that cruise in May, not a problem because you're making $2,400 a week, your rent's not an issue, you might even go ahead and move across town. All of this, you're thinking, you're ready to tell your landlord where you are, get out your face, because you're moving across town, because you're making $2,400 a week. And you go on and on and on with all the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions, and it's never even getting you to think that maybe you need to sit down and do what? Ask the Heavenly Father, which position should I take? You don't think about that because $2,400 a week, I mean, oh my goodness, that's almost $10,000 a month. You are just flying with that. You go ahead 
and you get ready to take that job and you think everything is wonderful and you get real excited and before they give you their first paycheck they go out of business and change their name to some other corporation and they don't even know you. And all those people that you thumbed your nose up at with those $25 an hour jobs, they already gave those to somebody else. However, the enemy gave you what? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. And instead of it helping you, it hurts you. <laughs> and here's the thing, his thoughts, they're gonna be logical. And they'll be reasonable thoughts, which if received, will lead a person away from the loving arms of our Heavenly Father and put you directly into harm's way, which is why you have to be so careful. So this is exactly, again, the conflict that took place within Eve's mind. And what the devil shot at her were simply, again, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Now, had, though, she maintained her thought life, had she realized that the Most High God said that we're not to eat of the fruit from this particular tree in the center of the garden, lest we eat of it. Now, wish got the touching, that's her adding to it. But if we eat of it, we will surely die. If she just kept her thought or her mind strong, she would have just held on to that and chose to be obedient instead of listening to some animal, okay, who told her different. But here's the thing. We can sit and we can joke about it and laugh about it and think, oh yeah, we wouldn't do that. That's just Eve. That. But here's the thing. There are many, 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 many too many people in the church today that are falling victim to the enemy the same way that Eve did. Remember, one of the things that we have talked about, and we talked about it earlier, was that knowledge and its proper use does what? That's what wins battles. So it doesn't say anything about knowledge wins battles, no. Knowledge doesn't win battles because almost every Christian in this nation, not just here at Crenshaw, but everywhere, they have a Bible. And the knowledge of God is in what? That Bible and in the Word. And yet many of their lives are completely confused and out of sync. And they still have the Word of God in their hand in that Bible. So we can't get so cavalier that we think, oh, that wouldn't happen to us. We're just so much smarter than Eve. We're so much greater than Eve because it goes back to the same thing. Remember, Eve didn't have to deal with all the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis. We have challenges sometimes that go up this high that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So if the enemy could come with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to dear little old Eve who had nothing to deal with at all, but to just live in the most perfect place, the Garden of Eden, then what in the world do you think he can do with us? We have to remember that and be on guard because it's all about the mind, the warfare of the mind, the thought life. What are you thinking about? You know, I mean, you can ask yourself that question. Jot it down. What are you thinking about as you go through your day? And who controls your thoughts? I mean, you know, it seems like it's really a silly question, but it's very profound. And who influences your thought life? That's a really good question. Because remember, you're still dealing with other people. So you have other people that you may live with. You have other people that you may be married to. You have children. You have relatives. You have co-workers. You have friends. All of those people, even some of the people that you go to church with, all of them, they're your family too. But what is influencing and what is having an effect on your thought life? Because here is the thing. 
Your thought life is what ultimately is going to influence your mouth. And we've been talking about watching our mouths. And it's also going to influence something else. It's going to influence your walk with Christ. And that's very detrimental, okay? So that's going to bring you either the goodness of God or something that you're not going to like very much because there are always consequences. And that's what we have to think about. So we have to learn from the mistakes of those who've gone before us. We can learn a lot from the precedent set with Eve and Adam. We must understand the importance of maintaining our thought life so we don't become victims like Eve. And we observe our enemy's attack. As we observe our enemy's attack on Eve, it becomes very clear that the wiles of the devil, the evil day, and the fiery darts are simply and nothing more than thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Because when you really get down to it, that's all that he's got. You know, you will hear people still, and this is just unbelievable, that they'll say, well, you know, the enemy tempted me, the enemy made me do it, and all he did was give him a thought, idea, and suggestion. What happened to the Holy Spirit that resides in you? What happens to the Word of God that is supposed to be your final authority in your life? So the thing that I think we have to walk away with this, walk away from this with tonight, is that <laughs> we have to be truly authentic with ourselves. And we have to really stop and think. The last time we were together, I mentioned to you about living a fasted thought life and how that could be something that would really help you. It's a tool that would really help you. Now what your next assignment is to be is to think about as thoughts come to you, and you may not be able to do this all day. I mean, I recognize that. We are still living with challenges. <laughs> Sometimes are up to here. So I'm not just trying to tell you, just sit and just think every thought that comes to your mind. But just take a time. Meaning like maybe you might find that, I don't know, Tuesday is less challenging than any other day for you. Pick a day. Whatever day works for you. And then if a day is too long, fine. Pick uh, two hours. Okay? Pick an hour. If, it, if it's that hard, pick 15 minutes, okay? But take that time frame and start analyzing the thoughts, the ideas, and the suggestions that come into your mind. Because when you do that, it's a practice that will help you better be able to discern exactly what thoughts are coming to you and how you react to them. Okay, fair enough. All right, so with that, we will have to pick this up next week. So Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.